The Springboks have won the Rugby World Cup three times, but which of those was the best? Today you are going to get a front row seat to a comparison between 2007 and 2019. I'll analyse the players, the opposition, the difficulty of the matches, as we try to figure out which one was the best. I'll also pick a combined Springbok 15 from 2007 and 2019 at the end of the video. Let's get started. In 2007, the All Blacks came into the World Cup as the pre-tournament favourites. They were again dominating the sport in between World Cups and had won 18 out of their last 20 test matches. Host nation France were also right up there. They were certainly one of the favourites. They had won two Six Nations titles in a row and had won 14 of their last 19 tests. Australia were in a good space too. They had won 12 from 19 coming into the tournament and they're always one of those teams that is a contender at the World Cup. Ireland had a similar record in the last two years. They finished runners-up in the Six Nations two years in a row and also won consecutive Triple Crowns. Defending champions England were not considered contenders at all. They had lost 14 of their last 19 test matches. As for the Springboks, they were probably in that Australia-Ireland bracket coming into the World Cup. They had won 11 of their last 21, but form was a little bit better, having won 6 of their last 9, and they did struggle a little bit with injuries in the two years before the tournament. The box would have England in their pool, certainly their toughest opponent on paper, even though the English weren't as strong as they were four years ago, and then they would have probably got Wales in the quarterfinals, so a semi-final was probably a good bet in 2007. In 2019, the All Blacks once again were the favourites coming into the World Cup, having won 15 of their last 19 test matches and, similarly, dominating the sport in between tournaments. They were also the defending champions. But Wales were on an even hotter streak. Not only had they won the Six Nations that year, they had won 15 of their last 18 test matches. Ireland were on a similar streak. They didn't win the Six Nations in 2019, but they did win it the year before and had won 17 of their last 21. England were the form team after the last World Cup when Eddie Jones came in as their new head coach. They went on an incredible unbeaten run, 17 tests in a row. That was a good 18-month period or so for Eddie Jones. However, momentum had been lost and they had only won 12 of their last 21 coming into the World Cup. However, they could not be discounted. As for the Springboks, they were probably seen as a dark horse, having won 11 out of 19 in the lead-up to the World Cup. Which doesn't sound great, but coach Rassi Rasmus had built really good momentum ahead of the tournament by winning the Rugby Championship. It was the first time in a decade that the box had done that. On a side note, I remember telling my wife before the World Cup that I thought we were going to win, and she laughed at me. The box had a tough pull with defending champions New Zealand for company. That would have meant probably a quarter-final against Ireland and then maybe a semi-final against Wales. So not an easy draw by any stretch of the imagination. My thinking at the time was that we might lose to the All Blacks in the pool stage, recover, maybe get them again in the final and then put one over them and win. Okay, so I was wrong on that score. It is fair to say with reasonable confidence that the 2007 Springboks had an easier pool than the 2019 box. In 07, England were the biggest obstacle facing South Africa in the pool stage, but the English were not very strong at the time. They had lost 14 of their last 19 test matches. South Africa went into that pool game as the favourites. 
no doubt about it. As they would also be against teams like Tonga and Samoa, two tough Pacific Island opponents, but South Africa should always be beating those two teams. And we did. And then of course the United States of America were the other team in the pool, a team that the box should always be beating. In 19, the Springboks had the defending champions New Zealand in their pool, just like in 07, England were the defending champions. The All Blacks, easily the toughest opponent in that pool that also contained teams like Namibia, Italy and Canada. Now South Africa should always be beating those three teams, even though we have lost to Italy in the past, but the Italians really should provide a good workout, but not a defeat. The 07 box started beautifully with a 59-7 victory over Samoa. Brian Abana helping himself to four tries. That was followed by what I consider the best Springbok performance I have seen. A 36-0 annihilation of England at the Stade de France. We were perfect that night. JP Peterson scored twice as we dismantled the defending champions. Special mention to Fareed Dupriya. I don't think I've ever seen a rugby player play a match like that before. He was stellar. After that, Jake White made several changes for the match against Tonga. We were only 7-3 ahead at half-time. And the problem against a team like Tonga is that you don't want to give them a sniff. And that is unfortunately what we did. White emptied the bench and the big boys came on, players like Victor Matfield, for example. Percy Montgomery was another, John Smith, the captain. Because if you don't finish them off physically, you could be in for a very, very long day. All of that was because Tongan tighthead Kisi Pulu had scored a try early in the second half to actually put them in the lead. Now with the big boys back on the field, the Springboks had actually established a 27-10 lead, but then Tonga came storming back. They kicked a late penalty to make it 30-25, and but for the bounce of the ball, the Springboks may very well have been forced into a draw or even a shock defeat. But luckily, that did not happen. After that, the Springboks pumped the USA 64-15, a match probably more memorable for their wing, Takudzwa Nguenya, rounding Brian Abana to score a famous try for the Eagles. In 19, the Springboks had to face the All Blacks first up, as we know, and suffered a 23-13 defeat, but that was followed by a routine win over our neighbours Namibia, and then came Italy, a team that should have given us a really good workout, but for a few injuries and cards, it meant that the box cantered to victory. That was followed by a routine win over Canada, a team that had become a lot weaker since the heydays of 1991, when they reached the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup. I'd also like to point out at this moment that at that stage, no team had ever lost a pool match and gone on to win the Rugby World Cup, so South Africa would have to make history. And just on a side note, that big win over Canada was responsible for one of my favourite pieces of commentary, courtesy of Dallin Stanford. When Kurbus Reinach scored a hat-trick of tries, Dallin described Kurbus as being more dangerous than climate change. 66-7, the final score. Mission accomplished, and we were on our way to the quarterfinals. Now, the 2007 box were caught by surprise. Jake White and his team were preparing for a quarterfinal against Wales, but then Fiji pulled off one of the great upsets of the tournament by beating the Welsh in the pool stage, and that meant we would be facing the Fijians in the quarters instead of the Welsh. Now, on paper, South Africa shouldn't have too many problems against Fiji, and sure enough, we were leading 13-3 at half-time, so everything was going according to plan. It was soon 26, and... 
that should have been the end of the game. But Fiji do not know when they are beaten and they came storming back and early in the second half the scores were level. Could this be Tonga all over again? Well, not really in this case. The box tightened their approach, took the Fijians to a darker place and ended up winning 37-20, a scoreline that probably looks a lot more comfortable than it actually was. They would then move on to face Argentina in the semi-finals. Elsewhere, both the pre-tournament favourites New Zealand and perennial contenders Australia were surprisingly eliminated in the quarterfinals. Host nation France putting off a shock win over the All Blacks in Cardiff. Don't ask why the quarterfinal was played in Wales and not France, even though they were the host nation. And then England putting in a bloody-minded performance to force their way over the line and beat the Aussies 12-6 in their quarterfinal. It appeared as if the pathway had opened up for South Africa to march to victory. That's important, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen, and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll-free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. The 2019 Springboks would come up against Japan in the quarterfinals, the host nation. Now, Japan is a team that the box should be expected to beat most of the time, but we all know what happened at the 2015 World Cup in Brighton. Nevertheless, the box should be beating Japan most of the time, if not all of the time, to be honest. However, the host nation were having a great tournament. The Brave Blossoms completed surprise wins over Ireland and Scotland, as well as Samoa, and that meant that they actually topped their pool. That was the first time that that had ever happened. It was also the first time in their history that they had defeated the Irish and the Scots. And make no mistake, the whole world, except South Africa of course, was willing the Japanese on to win that quarterfinal. And it was a tough match, make no mistake, it was 5-3 at halftime to South Africa. But guys, the one thing we know about the way that the Springboks play rugby is that even when the score might be 5-3, that doesn't mean that we are not in control. And we pushed the Japanese hard that night. We took them to a dark place, as we like to do. And eventually, the physical challenge overwhelmed the Japanese and we ended up winning 26-3. A really, really good win in tough conditions for the box. They were on their way to the semi-finals where Wales, the Six Nations champions, were waiting. Elsewhere, New Zealand swept past Ireland and England easily took care of business against Australia. The 2007 box had Argentina for company in the semi-finals. A surprise opponent, it must be said, at that stage of the World Cup. But Los Pumas were having the best tournament in the history of their team. They had overcome France in an upset victory in the opening match of the tournament. They then beat Ireland in the pool to make sure that they topped the pool. That was the first time they had ever done that. And then they took care of Scotland in the quarterfinals. They were probably the second best team at that event. But no problem for the Springboks. Brian Abana scored two tries as we won fairly comfortably 37-13 and we were on our way to the Rugby World Cup final where England would be waiting. Let's take a look at what was going on in 2019. South Africa would come up against Wales. Now, the Welsh are a team that historically the Springboks should expect to beat. 
But wait! Wales were the reigning Six Nations champions. They had also beaten the box four times in a row, leading up to that point. The Welsh had also won their pool. Remember, the box lost in the pool stages. So by almost every metric, you would have to say that Wales went into that semi-final as the favourites against South Africa. Well, the box put in a bloody-minded performance, it must be said. They outlasted and outmuscled the Welsh and eventually came out on top 1916 to advance to the final. England would be their opponents in that gold medal match after putting in one of the great Rugby World Cup performances to defeat New Zealand 19-7. Don't be fooled by that scoreline, guys. It implies that the match might have been close. It was anything but. To be honest, if the score was 29-7, you might have thought that that was a fairer reflection. Ahead of the 07 final, coach Jake White was at pains to point out that England were the favourites. His argument went that they were the defending champions and had more experience when it came to winning Rugby World Cups, certainly more recently anyway. However, no one was buying that argument. The reality is that England had lost their last four against South Africa. The most recent was that crushing 36-0 annihilation in the pool stage. South Africa also put 50 points past England in their two meetings earlier in the year. Now granted, it was a bit of an England B team, but they had also beaten them at Twickenham the year before. I don't think that you could credibly argue that England went into that match as the favourites. And sure enough, South Africa would go on to complete a 15-6 victory. The box played a match that was mostly risk-free, and I think that that was the idea. Just go out there, stop England from doing what they would like to do, and make sure you get the victory. And that's exactly what the South Africans did. Now, it should be pointed out that some Englishmen are aggrieved that a Mark Cueto try was ruled out early in the second half. Well, let's put that little myth to bed, okay? If you look at the TV replays of that try, you will see that his left foot clearly was in touch. So, no try. Debate over. South Africa had won the Rugby World Cup for the second time. A really nice gesture was when French President Nicolas Sarkozy actually invited our president at the time, Thabo Mbeki, to hand the Webb Ellis Cup to John Smith. These days, it's customary for the head of state of the host nation to do the trophy handover, but I thought it was really nice of Sarkozy to allow our president to hand the trophy to John Smith. Now, in contrast, the 2019 Springboks entered the Rugby World Cup final as the underdogs. Not like 80-20, but I think 60-40 at least. Remember, coming into the tournament, England had really good momentum under Eddie Jones. They had also dispatched of the All Blacks in emphatic fashion in that semi-final. And it really seemed as if this was going to be their year and that Eddie would finally win the World Cup as a head coach. South Africa had battled their way to the final and, remember, had also lost a pool stage match. It's also possible that maybe, just maybe, England were believing their own press because nobody just pitches up and beats the Springboks. In just the third minute, Kyle Sinclair suffered an injury and had to be replaced by Dan Cole. Shortly after that, there was a scrum, and I will never forget how Tendai, the beast, Mtawarira, scrummed Cole mercilessly into the ground. We won a scrum penalty, and I remember very clearly at that moment turning to my wife and saying, 
we are going to win today. And sure enough, we did. The Springboks saved their best performance for last at that tournament as they swept past the English in emphatic fashion, 32-12. It could be said that maybe England played their final in the semi-final, but South Africa played their final in the actual final. And who can forget the memorable moment when Makazole Mapimpi scored South Africa's first try in a Rugby World Cup final. And then after that, a few minutes later, Cheslin Colby slalomed his way past the English defence, including Owen Farrell, to score a beautiful second try. That also brought about one of my favourite pieces of commentary that we've ever heard, when the New Zealand commentator Sean Maloney said, Cheslin Colby, Cheslin Colby, South Africa, the World Cup is theirs! There's something else I'd like to reference, and this comes back to the first half, where there was a two-minute onslaught from the English on the South African try line. They went through 26 phases at one stage, but they just could not get through. For the majority of that two-minute period, they were actually camped on our try line, but there was no way through that green brick wall defense. Outstanding stuff. I tell you what, we were on the edges of our seats, those of us who were watching it and can remember it well, but as I say, there was no way of breaching that brilliant Bok defence. I think what made the triumph all the more special was that we were underdogs pretty much throughout. We were not really considered one of the favourites going into the tournament, even though I thought that we did have a crack at winning the Web Ellis Cup. But at every turn, we were the underdogs. We had New Zealand in our pool. We were not the favourites for that. We faced Wales in the semi-finals. We were not the favourites for that. Remember, they had beaten us four times in a row, and they were the Six Nations champions. And then there's no doubt that we were the underdogs going into the final against England. And I think that is what made it all the more special. And yes, I cried when we won. So what was the big difference then between the 07 and 19 teams? Well, neither team entered the tournament as the favourites, but I think it's fair to say that once the All Blacks and Wallabies had been eliminated in the quarterfinals in 07, it really did feel as if South Africa's march to victory in 2007 was really nothing but a procession. And I say that with the utmost respect, because obviously winning the Web Ellis Cup is a wonderful achievement and brings so much happiness and joy to the country. In terms of the draw, I think that the 07 one did turn out to be a little bit easier for the box. But of course, that's not their fault. You can only play who you have in front of you. And it's not our fault that New Zealand and Australia couldn't get beyond the quarterfinals. That's their problem. And I do think that going into the 2007 final, certainly from a South African supporter's point of view, we certainly felt that we were going to win. There was no doubt about it. I think that in 07, we went into that final knowing we would win, whereas in 19, we went into the final hoping that we would win. Now, there is something special to be said about Jake White's team in that they were able to steamroll their way to the title, except maybe against Tonga, compared to 2019, when it was largely an unexpected triumph. Also bear in mind that whenever the Springboks win a Rugby World Cup, there is political and social significance that comes with it. And I just think that in 2019, it was a little bit more amplified than what it was in 07. That could also be because the state of the country overall was maybe a little bit better in 07 compared to 19. And so, taking nothing away from the class of 2007, I would say, if you held a gun to my head, that the 2019 victory was a little bit more special. And I'll say this again, I cried when we won in 2019, 
I didn't cry when we won in 07. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Okay, let's pick a combined 2007 and 2019 Rugby World Cup Springbok 15. And we'll pick a bench as well because you have to have a bomb squad, right? Upfront disclaimer, I'm going to go with a 6-2 split. The number one jersey is where we'll start and oh my word, how do you pick between Osturant and Tendai Mtawarira? Well, because we've got a 6-2 bomb squad split, we can pick both of them. And this is what I'm going to do. On the strength of what Beast did against Dan Cole in the first three or four minutes of that final in Yokohama, I'm going to start with Beast and then Ors will be on the bench and he will come on in the second half. That is how I'm going to do damage at loose head prop. At hooker, I'm going to do exactly what Rassi Erasmus did in Yokohama. I'm going to start with Bongi Mbonambi and I'm going to bring Malcolm Marks on in the second half. Guys, at this point, I'd just like to put a little disclaimer out there because I know that some of you are getting your pitchforks ready, asking how on earth could I not select John Smith? He was our captain when we won in 07. Remember, this is a very subjective selection. This is me picking my combined team from 07 and 19. And even though John Smith was a wonderful leader, I have decided to leave him out of this team. And remember, it's my selection. So, of course, it's subjective. And if you disagree, well, tell me in the comments. Now, on that note, let's move on to tight head. I'm going to start with Franz Mohadba, and I'll have CJ van der Linde on the bench. He'll be my bomb squad member who comes on in the second half. The locks are really, really hard to pick. How do you choose? You got Victor and you got Bucky's in 2007. Possibly the greatest lock combination the Springboks have ever had. And then you've got Eben Etzebeth and you've got Luther Jacher in 2019. How on earth are you supposed to pick between those guys? Well, this is how we're going to get there. Because Lurt left the field injured in the 2019 final, it's very difficult to give him a report card, okay? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with a little bit of a combination of the four. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with Eben and Victor, and then I'm going to have Bucky's and Lewitt on the bench. So Etzebet and Matfield will be my starters, and then in the second half, on will come Bucky's and Lewitt de Jager. Okay guys, it's time for more controversy because I'm about to pick my number six jersey, and it goes to Skulkberger. This is not something that I'm willing to debate. Skulkberger is my favorite Springbok, and that's just the end of it. Sia Colisi will be on the bench and part of my bomb squad. In the number seven jersey, I would have to choose between Juan Smith and Peter Steff de Toy, and I am going to pick Peter Steff de Toy. And then at number eight, the selection is between Donny Rousseau and Dwayne Vermeulen, and Dwayne Vermeulen will be my pick. By the way, Again, let me just point out that this does not mean that I don't like Sia, John or Donnie. All of them magnificent players in their own right. But this is a difficult choice to make, okay? I'm in a very difficult position here trying to select a dream team and of course opinions are going to be divided. Let's move on to Scrum Half. You get to choose here between Fourie Dupree and Faf de Klerk. And as much as I love Faf, I have to pick Fourie Dupree. In my opinion, the greatest scrum half the Springboks have ever had. Fly half, I'm picking Andre Pollard. The centers are really, really difficult. You've got Francois Stein and Jacques Ferrie, who were the 2007 combination, and then you've got Damien Dialende and Lucanio Am in 2019. How do you select 
two of those four in this dream team. And if you look at 12, it's really difficult because Francois Stein and Damien Dialende are actually two very different players and they play very different roles. I think that the, the role of the inside centre is one that has possibly changed more than any other position in modern rugby when you compare it to 07 and even more when you compare it to 1995. But, forced to make a choice, I'm going to pick Francois Stein and Jacques Fourie. Now there is a part of me that would love to select Lucanio Am here and I do think that in years to come when Am retires we may very well end up talking about him as one of if not the greatest Springbok 13 we've ever seen. However his career has not yet ended and we're judging him purely on what happened in the 2019 World Cup versus the 07 World Cup for Jacques Fourie and that is how I arrive at Fourie as my choice. The wings are even more difficult. How do you select between Brian Abana, who was the leading try scorer in 2007, versus Makazole Mapimpi, the first man to score a try for the box in a Rugby World Cup final. That's on the left wing. And then on the right wing, you got Cheslin Colby, who scored that magnificent try in the second half in Yokohama. And you are comparing him with J.P. Peterson, a man who scored tries for fun at the 2007 World Cup. What are we going to do here? Well, I'm picking Brian on the left, and I'm picking Cheslin on the right. And then we have fullback. Percy Montgomery, the leading point scorer in the 2007 Rugby World Cup versus Vili LaRue, a backline general. But I think Percy is the guy that I'm going to go with on this occasion. Percy obviously gives you a lot more as a goal kicker as well. And because I'm looking for a reliable goal kicker who I know can give me 85% success rate, I'm going to go with Percy as my first choice goal kicker in this team as well. Let's take a look at that bench again quickly. Oster Runt, Malcolm Marks, CJ van der Linde, Bucky's Boerter, Luit de Jager, Sia Colisi, Faf de Klerk and Willy LaRue will complete the bomb squad. Now obviously with John Smith not in this team and Sia starting on the bench, I need a captain and I'm going to pick Victor Matfield to skipper this side. Sia will take over the captaincy in the second half when he comes on. I have no doubt that you agree or strongly disagree with my selections, so let me know in the comments section and I look forward to your company next time.